Welcome to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed, a show where we interview industry leaders and disruptors, revealing the success secrets to create and unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Now your hosts, Thaddeus and Evan. Welcome back to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan. This week, we had the pleasure of bringing on author, speaker, and consultant Richard Walsh onto the show from Escape the Owner Prison. Now, Richard has over 30 years of experience in the contracting space where he owned a business and right up until the 2008 recession was doing fairly well for himself. But once that recession hit, he realized that he didn't own the business, he owned a job and he was constantly trading his time for his money. And going through that experience and, and learning the lessons that he needed to learn from it, he's now created a wonderful business where he is helping contractors escape the owner prison and move into that entrepreneurial space of actually owning their business and how to dominate it and having that business serve you instead of you serving it, how to automate your contracting business for profit and freedom. It was a fantastic conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Pour yourself a cold one and sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan with On Purpose Media, where we have industry disruptors and thought leaders taking a peek behind the curtains at what it is that makes them tick. So uh, today, very excited to have Richard on the podcast. Uh, Richard is the owner of ETOP Academy. So we are very excited to have you on. And I know you had Thaddeus on as a guest a while back. So I'm going to let him take it away and uh, start diving in here. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Um, well, first off, uh, Richard, uh, Escape the Owner Prison uh, has a Facebook group, the book, a podcast. And I had such a great conversation with you when I was on that podcast. It's a great experience that I'm like, okay, well, let's reciprocate this. And let's bring some of your wealth and some of your knowledge uh, to the table. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Thanks, guys, for having me on there. I really appreciate it, man. I love, I just love sharing the message, helping you guys out, of course, you know. And uh, yeah, Escape the Owner Prison is my best-selling book, The Contracts and the Way to Scale, Regain Control, and Fast-Track Growth While Loving Life. What happened was I've been in business for 30 years, had my successes, some great failures. Took all those as I kind of had to reinvent myself about 10, 12 years ago after the big crash and everything else and decided that there's got to be a better way instead of doing everything myself, being that technician who then turned into a business owner, uh, there's got to be a way to scale and still enjoy my family. I had six little kids, a wife. I was working 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day. Then I lost everything. So I had all this then I had nothing. And like, so restarted, recreated, reinvented, did all that to say, you know what? What I really do best is I help others do the same thing. So I wrote the book, teach you guys how to scale, zero to a million, million to five, five million to 10 million and onward from there to understand what's so important about not doing everything in your business, right? Working on it, not in it, as people hear all the time, you know, but there's a balance in there that you need to create it. And most people don't know how to get there, right? That's the difficulty because they really don't. They know how to work, right? And every, every entrepreneur usually has a really good work ethic. You know, but that can also be to their detriment. So I wanted to lay out a roadmap and show people how to make this transition from, you know, zero to wherever you want to go. There is a method. There's a way to go about this. So I wrote the book. It did great. I created the ETOP Academy where I train people to do that. They have a full intensive course. You go through their trainings, everything else, so they can start to put all this stuff into action. 
because knowledge is great, but if you don't apply it, it's no good, right? So we can read all the books we want, but if they just sit on the shelf and we don't we don't take action to implement that in our business, you're not going anywhere, just spinning the wheels. So that was the whole catalyst of ETOP. You know, I did the podcast, of course, and everything else, which I had the most fun on, but I don't think there's any more fun than like doing this. We're having a good time, you know, but just uh, sharing the knowledge and helping other guys be the best that they can be in their business and still have an extraordinary life at the same time. What's your background? What got you into the Escape the Owner Prison and, uh, or ETOP for short? Again, it was, it was my 30 years in business. Okay. So I, my first 20, I built a really good, successful business. You know, it's the best at what I did. And then I lost everything right? Because of a lot of small things that added up some really big things when things got tough. Then I had to go through the whole rebuild stage. Doing that taught me, I look back at all the mistakes I made. So, well, how can I fix this? And I developed this entire program. I'm using my failures to launch my new success, you know, because there's a lot of things you don't want to repeat. You know, well, we don't want to repeat any mistakes, right? But we tend to, if we don't really, if we don't give them the validity that they are, a lot of people discount their failure or mistakes. They like, got oh, not a big deal. And they'll brush it off when they really need to focus on it and never make that happen again. Because those little things do add up to big things. And I realized what that was, so I corrected it. And that's what really made me want to share it with others. Because my circle was always contractors, business owners. That's my thing. And I just saw the same thing. You know how we, you, you're, you're like your circle, right? But in the trades and the service industry, it seems as there's a, a lot of common, common mistakes that are made. A lot of guys who are building a business and making money, but they're not really moving forward. Yep. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not creating a life that's like rewarding. They just become the glorified employee. So I wanted to get people out of that and reach true success. What are some examples of some of the small things? The first one that I teach also is called exit strategy. There was no exit strategy when I started my business. And then five years in, there was no exit strategy. And 10 years in, there was still no exit strategy because I'm just making money and I'm going to be fine. It's never going to end. Okay, so I think I'm just going to do this forever, right? Because I love what I did. Everything comes to an end. I'll give you my life lesson. Everything ends. Okay, <laughs> Whether it's on your time or someone else, everything ends. Okay, so... And exit strategy is what you prepare for. I don't care if you pick a date, a number, a combination of it, what size you're going to grow to, how much you want for your business when you sell it, how am I going to build it for that, how do I create passive income to replace my business income so that I can leave the business, still make X amount of dollars, live the life I want to live, right? So exit strategy was the biggie. It really was the big thing that, that I made a mistake on because I literally thought like, dude, I'm, I'm immortal. I'm immortal. I'm going to live forever and I'm going to make this thing. And then yeah. who knows, maybe my kids will take it over, which they're not, but you know, no one is because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's over. Okay. So yeah. that's one of, that's one of the biggies. That's one of the biggies. I know we're going through our big vision, big grander scheme, and, and we've got a, a full day set out here for Friday for our business, but it's that idea of beginning with the end in mind. Like what is this someday vision of what you want to accomplish and then work backwards from there. Um, and actually, this came up in a mastermind call that we had earlier this week is what is the purpose of a goal? You know, right. the, the goal is not to achieve it. It's how do you be appropriate in the moment? Right. And when, when you look at exit strategy, when I tell people, I go, that's your, it's the ultimate business filter. Yeah. Every decision you make, mm -hmm. you have to run through the exit strategy. If it yeah. detracts from your exit strategy, you don't do it. 
if it propels you forward, you do it. It's a very it becomes a very simplistic way to do it. But if you've done the work and you laid it out properly, you say crystal clear on your purpose yep. and your goals. You know, so it's it's a powerful thing. You know, with the goals and, and the purpose and uh, higher why is kind of the the term that I like to use for you know the purpose and that if you're a business owner, it's easy to get away from the higher why and the purpose and the vision and the goals. So what are your thoughts and how does a business owner keep that front and center and stay on track or as you know, I could say on purpose because on purpose media. So <laughs> right. to stay, so here it is to stay on purpose, fellas. It's about focusing yeah. on your, what I call your 5%. Okay. That's the 5% of things in your business. Only you can do, right? So it's, it's vision, it's mission. It's all those things about staying on task. No one who works for you is going to be into that like you are. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to see it. They're not going to create it. So focus on your 5% and you delegate the rest. And it may take one step at a time. I think people think you have to do this all in you know, two weeks or something. But you start to delegate those day-to-day tasks. That's what it looks like. Okay, mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing the books. Right. Maybe you're not doing the marketing. Okay, you, you got you to source this stuff out. Things that you're not an absolute expert in, you shouldn't be doing. Okay, mm-hmm. your, your time is spent on leading, keeping the mission, the mission, staying on point, right? Keeping the goals, the goals, creating the new goals, finding new growth markets. Where are you going to go to? That's what the visionary does. That's what you should be doing. So that's how you stay on purpose for me. Do not get mired down in the day to day. It ha- Even if you're new, you got to set the precedent that this is who I need someone for this, this, and this. It may start on a virtual assistant. Then it goes to in-house or whatever the case there's ways to do it, but you've got to put a focus on that. Don't think I'll wait till I make money because people do that and they never get anything done because they're never made enough money. But when you decide you have to do something and we've all done it, have we not all bought something we didn't have money for? Okay. So we've all done it. So you can do it when it's a priority, we make it happen. Okay. So that's all I can tell people, you know, when it's, when you're serious enough about it, you'll make it happen. You know, that's all I need to hear. So the one thing that I think happens to every one of us and to try to get out of the day-to-day is the concept of letting go and letting somebody else take over some of the work, right? Because that becomes a challenge for a lot of business owners to say, okay, well, I'm going to have 95% of my business have somebody else run it, especially as you're building the business. What are some examples you can give somebody that's, that's struggling with that portion of things to get rid of the 95% and focus on the 5%? Well, what you're going to want to do, you got to start simple, like I said, okay? So if it's an office issue, right, get an office manager, you know, or maybe you're not to that, you're talking about a bookkeeping, a virtual assistant is going to do your actual bookkeeping, not your CPA, right, not a tax strategist, but someone's going to keep those day-to-day records that you can check on weekly, daily, monthly, whatever you want to do. Start with one person, one task, farm it out. Okay, farm that out. It takes adjustment for that. So you start in the office, you may still be on the job, right? Whether you're hauling shingles up on a roof or swinging a hammer or whatever it is, maybe you're still doing that right now. But start on the back end, inside that people don't see, start working on that. But understand that you need to be able to sooner than later, put down the tools and focus on building the business. You know, as I always tell guys, and I'll see this often, guys will be bragging out, carrying two bundles up the ladder, showing the guys I can still do it, loaded the whole roof while they were having lunch. Okay, that's cool, tough guy. But I got news for you. When you take a header off that roof and puts in a hospital for six months, okay, you guys aren't going to be impressed. Matter of fact, they're going to be out of work. They're going to go work for the guy down the street tomorrow, okay, and you're never getting them back, 
all right? And you just bellied up your business because you're a tough guy who's carrying shingles up a ladder onto a two-story roof. doesn't work, right? You got to change the mindset. You know, that's the first thing. You got to understand that my job is not to be out installing whatever you do. You know, again, if they're putting in, putting in furnaces, okay, that's you're not installing, okay? Maybe you're doing sales right now because you're really good at sales. Great. Grow the business, but then make that a duplicatable system. So you can get a good sales team, right? And they can do what you do. If you're the best salesman in the world, you better teach someone else how to be 95% as good as you. Because no one will know the difference in, in the end, right? So you got to teach. You got to duplicate yourself. Let others take. You got to let them take it. You know, it is a death grip a lot of guys hold in their business. And they got to, like, loosen up, you know? I always told people, I am the best at what I do. I can install what well, I did water features. I'm the best. Right. So I'm here. I am. They got to have me. I got to put the rock here. I got to put this here. I make it because I'm an artist and I'm amazing. Right. So one day I had my crew just here. I painted on the ground, put it here, make the waterfall face this way towards the door. I'll see you at the end of the day. And I left thinking this is going to be a disaster. You know, well, not really, but <laughs> I was pretty confident. The guys came back, homeowner walks outside and she's like, it's amazing. I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. And I'm like, I'm free. Yeah. I'm free. They don't need me. Like, you know, I, I see this and this and this, and maybe I would have done it this way. No one cares. No one cares. I taught my guys right. They could do it. From that point on, they were building amazing water features. You know, big high-end stuff, I'd come in and do my little thing, but that's that's what you got to get. You got to understand that, yes, someone's not as good as you. So what? The average person doesn't know that. Right. I remember at one sales job that I had back, way back, I was running a team and that was always something that I was being coached on was hire someone that can do that task at least 80% as well as you. They're never going to be as good, but as long as they can be 80%, let it go. And maybe they'll turn out to be better than you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Give them good training. Totally. Train them. Make them better. Mm-hmm. At least they, if they could start at 80% as good as you, imagine where they could go. Yeah. And that's the thing. You can't hold on to your ego like you're not going to make them any better because they might get as good as you. All right, I'm telling you, it sounds funny, but we all do it. We're men. I mean, we're guys in the, the trades, and this is what we don't want to get beat, right? That's part of what makes us a great entrepreneur. But same thing, you got to train your people up. You got to skill them up. You got to give them the resources to be great. They'll thank you for it. They'll perform and they'll stay, which so is the most important thing. One of the reasons why I think women are actually far superior entrepreneurs than men, because they have that ability to nurture and pass on things and have you grow into the role that you're in. As men, we need to be way better at that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not big on asking about feelings because I don't. I still don't really care. You know? <laughs> my, my nurturing may be perceived a little bit unique. Okay. There you so, go. Yeah, I uh, I'm the steamroller type of a person, so I just come in and I'm just like you know, bam, and I just roll people over. I've been learning emotional, you know, intelligence to be able to rein some of that back in to be like, okay, you shouldn't just come in and like pull those people. Um, you actually have to learn the emotional EQ part uh, of things to become a better leader and a better boss and a better spouse and a better friend and everything. Right. Yeah. That's you know? some, it, yeah. it is important. I, now, 10 years ago, I would have kind of laughed at that, you know, <laughs> but again, we all mature, hopefully. Right. So I've come a long ways, you know, but humanity is part of my thing. I've kind of realized there's actually other people in the world besides me and stuff and they have feelings and stuff. So it's my wife's taught me a lot. Right. So yeah, my wife has six kids. Managing females has taught me a lot. You know, I didn't really know much about emotional intelligence or EQ, um, you know, until I was managing females and I would always make them mad. 
and be like, what, what am I doing? And somebody's like, you need to have more empathy and compassion and learn how my actions are affecting somebody else because they're they're going to take it differently where guys always had that natural relationship with them maybe in some guys i would piss off too but they usually get over it a lot more so uh, when i did a deep dive into eq it was a massive boon for me and if the females are watching i'm sorry that i pissed you off and made you mad back in the day so well, I did that. I, I hit a post the other day on Facebook. I apologized to the ladies. I don't remember their names. Okay. Like relationships with them. Like, that's how bad I was. Okay. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was a rotten person. Okay. Before I was yep. married, we're talking 20 plus years ago, you know, before I was married, but I was like, I was terrible, like rotten. You know what I mean? I mean, it took a lot of work to get decent, but the E word empathy, still not in my wheelhouse. It takes a lot of work for me to have empathy for people. So I just, I let people know up front it's a weakness of mine. Okay. I don't have much. So you're not going to get a lot of blood from this turnip. You know what I mean? When it comes down to empathy. So just fair warning. It's, it's a muscle, right? You got to exercise it. If you don't practice it, That's it's, right. it's not going to get any better. Exactly. I have gotten better again, but I'm just saying that it's, you know, I have better traits. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's not your strength. When we were talking about the systems there and letting go of the work, one thing you mentioned was just being able to duplicate yourself. I'm curious if you have any strategies or techniques or tactics to make that easier for people as they're bringing new people on board. How are they able to share their knowledge and do that efficiently and effectively? Well, here's what you do. And it's very simple to do. Like, let's say you have one office person, right? And that's all you got. But you know, you got, it looks like you might have to have more. You want to get ready to have more. All right. Something as simple as like Loom right? Loom.com, screen sharing, uh, screen recording. You got to start recording processes. You got to create a video bank so that your new people can see the system from the person who's running it now. So if you have a good office person who does a really good job, but you know in the back of your head going, you know, she doesn't or he doesn't show up for two, three days, I'm in trouble, right? So what am I going to do? Or they quit tomorrow because everything comes to an end, remember? Everything comes to an end, and that includes employees. So how do you, who you, how are you going to get the person up to speed real quick, right? And that's going to be your, your screen share, your, your screen recordings, right? Showing each process step by step, click by click. That's the key. Click by click. They can watch it actually being done, and they can watch it 50 times in a day if they want to. They can watch it at night. They can watch it in the morning. They can watch it on their lunch. They can learn this job so quickly, that position. That's what you want to do. You want to start recording your daily actions. Okay, you got to have this stuff down. Otherwise, you know, you can't keep it in your head. Yep. You know, I was on with one coach, uh, Thomas Keenan. You may, you may know him, great guy. He said, you got to bring their inner genius and you got to record their inner genius, right? That's yours as the owner. You got to be able to take that out and put it down so it's duplicatable and shareable. I'm actually glad that you started talking about the automation because that was one of my questions that I had for you was how to automate your contracting business for profit and freedom. So one of the, and I know this is kind of a teaser on your book, so you might not be able to give all of it away, but you know, one of the, the snippets from you know, on your podcast and your book is learn how to sell your business for monstrous profit. So what are some tips and some advice and some thoughts for people that want to learn how to sell their business without giving the full thing about your book away? Sure. And actually, before we get into that question, we should probably say, hey, where can we find you? Where is your info? Where would somebody get you at? Real simple. Facebook, find me at Richard Walsh. You'll find me. EscapeTheOwnerPrison.com's website. Uh, get on there. ETOP Podcast. If you want to follow the podcast, ETOP Podcast, E-T-O-P. So that's, it's pretty simple. You'll find me. I'm out cool. there. 
but what you want to do as far as selling your business, here's the thing. Again, a lot of people don't, like me, no exit strategy means that you're not planning to sell your business, right? You really aren't. So you're not doing things. You're making money, right? You're servicing clients and you're making money. All right. And that's that's so superficial. It's not going to get you where you want to go. So what do we have to do to build something that someone wants to buy? There's a simple thing to do. Here's a little trick. Flip it. You go buy a business. Say so you want to go buy it, uh, someone, mm-hmm. someone's uh, HVAC business, right? Okay. So John so-and-so has got, you know, John's HVAC. Cool. Well, now you're going to go, hey, I want to buy that, man. I want his market share. So what, do you, what would you look for? That's the first thing I'll say. What are you looking for? A couple of good trucks and a little client list, you know? And if that is what you want, how much are you willing to pay for that? I'll bet you it's not very much. So start thinking about what you're actually going to purchase. Does he have a good client base? Does he have an extensive email list, client base that he's kept in contact with? It's called lifetime profitable value, right? What are his clients worth to him over a lifetime? This goes for any business, right? What If I'm a car dealer, and I roll in with my six kids and my wife, we're buying a 15-person van like I did, okay? And the guy just sells me, he wants to get me, okay, great. Never another email, no free service, no nothing, no contact. Mm. Now, wait a minute. I'm a guy with two adults and six children who are now teenagers. There's eight car buyers. Average car, 30, 40 grand. Every three years, four years, get a new car. Okay, now my kids are buying, their family. It's seven figures for that dealer. But they were happy with 30 grand. Okay. When a lifetime, well, I can go to any dealer and buy a car. Why would I come back to you? Especially if you treat me like, you know, I feel used. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you, you sold me a car and you never talked to me again. You know what I mean? It's like you took my money and kicked me to the curb. So we want to look at a business that has maintained the relationships with its clients who have continuing service, continuing products, and the ability to reach out and stay front of mind with their customers. What have they done with that list? Right. And this one should be thinking about your business. What kind of relationship are you building with your customers? It can't be one and done. You know, I don't care if you're a roofer and you think you're going to put a roof on every 20, 30 years. Okay. That's the wrong attitude. You know, if you're an exterior business, they got siding, they have windows, right? They have all kinds of stuff. I I would do a free inspection every year with my roofing business, free inspection of what we installed just to make sure it's doing what we put it on to do. Well, that's a sales call. Then I noticed the windows, you know, they're rotting around the edges. I got this, I got siding. Now I can pitch them there, right? But they get this free thing. They see me every year, we have the warranty. You know, so whatever it takes to build that extreme client list, you know, because that's a big part of what you're going to purchase as a company, right? And it doesn't matter the size of the business. You just got to understand that they've got a connection. You need to be able to turn on that email list and sell. You need to be able to make money, right? You need to be able to reach out to your customers and make money when you want to make money. In talking kind of on the, the buying things, but you know when you look at the customers and how do you how how do you get more one and done? I mean, there's three ways to grow a business, and one is you can increase the number of clients, so you turn more new prospects into paying customers, right? Mm-hmm. Increase the average transaction value, so you get each client to buy more, you know, for every single purchase, or you just increase the frequency that the average client buys from you, so you're getting them to come to you more often, you know, from that. And when you factor in those three things, you can definitely grow your business and get it taken care of in a shorter time than a lot of people if you're focusing on those three things not just one of the three right you kind of mentioned you know and alluded to those three topics themselves yeah that's all three you want to do all three you know because there there is no one way right we all know that there's no one way to do this 
you know. And then the next step would be looking at what you're actually producing. What do people see when they look at your business? All right. We talk about branding and reputation. You know, where are you at? What do your trucks look like? Are they rusted around around the wheel wells? Are things falling out? Are they full of garbage? You open the door and the last week's worth of fast food lunches fall out onto the driveway of the customer. And, you know, you just, you come to the door, you're flicking cigarettes in the bushes. You know what I mean? You got the dirty shoes. You walk in the house, you don't have shoe boots on. You don't have, you know, you don't take off the shoes. You're, think about it. It just goes on and on and on. What's the mindset you built in your company, right? Because as an owner, that owner that you're going to buy it from, he's out. He's taking the money and running. You're left with what he's got there. What systems and processes does he have in place? What does his teams look like? You know, what's their attitude? You know, how do they feel about coming to work? You could buy a business and they could all walk out the next day, you know, if you're if you not aware of what this is. So as you build a business, that's what you're building, right? Your team are, they're a huge asset. We all know that. But you got to build a real team. You got to build people who contribute to the business, feel they're being appreciated for the contribution, and they're making it better. So you're able to expand, grow, get more market share, or if you're just staying in one area to improve your offerings again and again and again. It's fascinating because the things that you would look for in buying a business, you're looking for gaps, right? So that you can get better value and you can fill in those gaps really easily because your system is better in your own head. And theoretically, that's the way it should be. But when you're selling your business, you want to make sure that you filled in all those gaps. Exactly. So, okay, as a buying tip, if you do find that guy who's got those gaps, guess what you get to do? devalue his business. 100%. And now, now you're still going to grab market share. You know, it depends. The list is there. He just doesn't work, but he got the customers. I can revive this. I can bring in my CPR team and we can resuscitate this list mm-hmm. and we can flip this around. It may take a little bit of work, but he's out, I'm in. And I just mm-hmm. grab the whole new territory. So, you know, again, you got to be a smart buyer too. You can't overpay. So you're trying to buy an asset here. It's almost like real estate when you're looking at buying a home. You know, it's the same thing. You don't want to overpay. You don't want to undervalue. But when you look at more homes, you're going to see more flaws or less flaws, uh, you know, depending on how you look at it. But you're going to find better things that you're looking for, right? And how things are done differently in different homes. Same thing with the business. So I would almost think that it's probably a, a healthy exercise for every business owner to do to look at buying a business or businesses but not actually pull the trigger on it. So if you go through right. the process of looking at, at buying the businesses, now you can see other people and other flaws uh, in terms of how that works. I mean, what would be your thoughts on something like that? Would that be a good exercise? Would it be a waste of time? That's an excellent exercise. You're also going to see the pluses. You're going to see the good companies. You're going to see the high dollar and you're going to be like, okay, now I get it. Look what, and you start looking for why, why, why is he getting five and a half million for his and the other guy's getting 1.2? What is the difference between these two businesses? Yeah. You know, and you know, what's my return on investment, obviously, but what do they have? And you start looking for the pluses also. Mm-hmm. You definitely can see deficiencies, but you you want to look at the big hitters. You want to understand what they've done, right? They didn't get to that level by chance. So you want to put the two together. I think it's a great exercise. That is, I mean, I think that's something that you should put in a plan. Even you do it one time. There's business brokers out there, right? You you tell somebody you're looking for a business. There's multiple buyers, right? Like going to an open house, just like you're saying real estate. A whole lot of people walk through your house. Maybe one or two people are going to buy or be interested. Yep. What are some good exercises for business owners? Questions they might be able to ask themselves or exercises they might be able to do to help solidify that future long-term vision, dreaming and scheming. Like 
for example, I was in the shower the other day and not to get too personal, uh, but, you know, I got thinking about, uh, you know, this business and, and like, you know, selling a bit and I mean, maybe it'll happen, you know, for a hundred million dollar business. If you sell that, you know, what would that look like in the life, you know? So how would a person reign in reality or sorry, reign in dreamland to bring it more to a reality and some exercises that they should do to be able to help solidify their future dream? I think what you got to do is go back to the exit strategy. Mm. Honestly, you got to go back there and you got to lay this out. You know, I want X percentage of real estate investment. I want cash flow banking. I want whatever your strategies are going to be to create that passive income, right? Because you're going to create that. You're going to build a business. Your business now has to build. If I want $80,000 a month coming in passively, okay, what's that going to take in my business to create income to generate those investments to then return me $80,000 a month in X amount of years, right? So if I want to walk away my business, I can walk away. Now the sale price is, you know, 2.5 million for my business. What's it going to take to do that? Now I've got 80,000 a month passive income. I'm going to get a check for 2.5 million. And then literally what am I going to do with a $2.5 million check when I get out of the business and I walk away? It's hard for me not to stress a lot about exit strategy. It's your purpose. It's everything you're doing. It's that great filter that's going to keep you on task and it's going to tell you what you have to do. See, because every single business is a little bit different and people have different different markets, different opportunities, different abilities to generate income, right, and what they do. But until you know what you need it for, it's like saying you want $100 million. That's all fun, doesn't everybody? Dreamland. You know both, Dreamland. Right? Yeah, Dreamland. Dreamland. So, well, let's reverse engineer it. Well, okay, if I need in 10 years, I need a $100 million business, let's walk backwards. What's that going to look like? I'm here today. I got $100 million there. What does that look like? What did I go through? What things did I have to put in place, right? And again, every business, you got to make that determination yourself. And you're not going to have all the answers. You're going to create more answers as you go because you have to, because you, there's no way you can have everything figured out. You know, we've seen what can happen this year, especially to a business and an economy. All right. Did you plan for that? Pretty sure you didn't. I didn't plan for 08, 09. Okay. But in one day on November 5th, 2008, everything changed. My phone started ringing. I lost a half a million dollars worth of business set up for the spring just because of an election. They were doing the right thing. You know, I'm a luxury item. They didn't need me. They didn't need my thing. They're going to sit on that money. And people sat on that money for like a year and a half or longer, right? It was crushing to so many people. You know, who plans for that? Well, you should. <laughs> you should be planning for that because that you better have some cash reserves. You better have your things in place. It has to be part of your exit strategy. So that's how you get there, I think. Yeah, future forecasting is a big thing, especially if, you know, your guys' cycle and, uh, you know, if you, if you want to go down the election road, and we don't generally don't talk politics just for the simple fact that nobody wins in a politics conversation, but there are real realities of the economic drivers and factors that go into uh, mm -hmm. the political ideologies and the regimes and such, you know, behind that. But knowing that, well, every four years, you could potentially have a shift. Uh, that, know, especially in the, in the States, right? I mean, Canada, it's anywhere from like a year to max five years, depending on if they want to call a snap election or not. But your guys are planned. So a business owner can actually plan for that event. And it's actually funny that you mentioned this because I, I was reading an article a month ago, I want to say, and it had actually shown how the stock market reacted on every single political change in terms of the presidential election. So when it went from Democrats to Republicans or Republicans to Democrats, the market always rebounded 
within about a year to a year and a half. But when that first initial change happened, regardless if it went a Democrat to Republican and Republican to Democrat, it always went down. So if you know that as a business, that's a good future forecasting that a person could have, especially, I mean, if you have investments in that too, and that's a whole other game that I'm not even going to talk investment strategy because there's so much out there, but, but it is a real thing that people tend to not discount. But I mean, you can isolate and insulate that. So other than preparing uh, for obviously the financial implications and such, what are some ways that a business owner could potentially plan to eliminate the risk and you know sometimes there isn't a risk depending on the business depending on the industry you know that you're in but are there some things that somebody could do um, that you've came across in your experiences that could help that yeah one is and some people there's a lot of different terms for it a war chest you need to be liquid you need to be cash rich as you grow your company when you pass the million-dollar mark and you hit the $3 million mark and you approach the $5 million mark revenue-wise, and hopefully you have an amazing profit margin, okay, and not taking home ten grand or something. <laughs> but as you do, you have to stay cash-rich, okay? Yeah. I mean, you can have your investments and everything else, but if you don't have that operating cash for slow times, for opportunities, because slow time is this crash, crash 0809, this COVID thing, this brought tons of opportunity for the prepared, yeah. right? You're buying stuff for 10 cents on the dollar, especially businesses that are going under, right? You have an opportunity to make some real moves and gain real market share. So that should be in your mind. You understand what growth is, but if you're not prepared for growth, it's irrelevant. You're, you're going to be the guy getting bought instead of buying, you know? And if you're not in a position to sell, if you're forcibly being made to sell, not a good thing. One thing is to have cash. Mm. Okay, have that stuff liquid so you can make a move, right? It's important, you know, it's legit cash, lines of credit, whatever the case, but you want real money to operate and not a little bit of money. You want a lot of bit of money. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> as you grow, you got to have it, man. It, it's just important. You know, that's what I mean. That we come back to planning your business, it's called Parkinson's Law. If you don't have a plan for that money, okay, it will evaporate. All right. I just come, hey, thanks. Here's hundred bucks, man. Thanks for being you. Okay. You're gonna go sweet, buy a new bottle of whiskey. I'm empty. I'm just gonna yeah. say, right? And, and there you go, your drinking is done. And who gave me that? It doesn't matter. I feel good. Right. So so that's the point. It will evaporate. If you don't have a purpose for that money, it's gone. We all experience that, right? You get that's why I don't that's why I don't pay for referrals. I don't give people two hundred bucks. Okay, if they give me a referral, I give them a gift. I give them a real gift. So there's something attached to that and not money. Money, unless your name is Ben Franklin, it don't matter, right? You get a $100 bill, is, it's no big deal, right? My name isn't on there. But the mugs, the gifts, and everything else, can I can have them branded or it'd be a cool gift, something a little more, little more emotionally attached, and you're going to get a lot more traction out of that. What types of gifts do you give for a referral? So I try with the help of others because, again, I'm not – I'm not that guy. Okay. I'm just a, I'm a knucklehead. All right. I'm just a guy who doesn't, I don't gift well. Ask my wife. Okay. I don't, it's, I, it's, I, it's the lowest, uh, receiving gifts is the lowest of your five love languages. Yeah. It's like, I don't speak that language. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I'm illiterate. So I try to, I try to involve others who know the customer. I mean, you don't want me choosing a gift. What I do in a referral program, I gamify it. So in the roofing business, I'll gamify it. So I give them, you know, it's called 10 to win. I give them a card after they do their job. They love what we did. I say, look, if you give me one referral, 
you know, and that closed that deal. I'm going to give you dinner for two at whatever restaurant. Okay, pretty nice place. All the way up to like 10 things, right? And the 10th, like, if you give me 10 referrals that I close, you get a weekend in Vegas. Okay, I give you that. Because that's worth a lot of money to me, right? That could be $100,000 plus dollars worth of work. So, you know, Vegas is cheap. You know, airfare and everything else. So it's a really good thing. But they get a great experience. Six, they get a laptop. That's the expensive part. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm gonna, I'm, they're going to hate me after they come back, but they're going to love me on the way there. Yeah, you know? got a free right. trip to Vegas, but I lost 10 grand. Right, uh, great guy. I'll never forget him. Yeah. He's, he's something else. I got a roof that cost me 20 grand instead of 10 because I went to yeah. Vegas. But, but like, if they give me six, they get a laptop, right? I, I mean, I picked some really cool gifts. And here's the deal. They have to achieve that number. They have one year. To get six reviews, they have to make the first call. I have little stipulations, right? You got to make the introductory call. Let me know that I'm coming. This is so-and-so and build you up. And you go and you close. But here's the cool thing about that. We go back to talking about the lifetime profitable value. Say six months goes by, you've got two referrals. They wanted to get six or they wanted to get four for the special, you know, going to a uh, whatever, a NFL game or something. You know, you're going to give them those tickets. You call them up and say, hey, Jane, you know, I know you really wanted to get that you know, those four referrals, you're at two or you're at three right now. All you need is one more. Do you happen to know anyone else who might be interested in our service? Like say someone at church, maybe someone you work with and you give them a little category. All of a sudden they think of that person, right? Now I'm back in front of them again. You're concerned about them getting the gift they want to get. Okay, now you have a year. Now let's say a year goes by, they don't get four, they only get three. Well, I give them the third prize. I don't give them the fourth prize, but I give them the third one because they did three. I don't tell them that to the end. I surprise them. Okay, you know what? You did three. I know you wanted four, and you really, I shouldn't be doing this, but now I'm going to hook you up because I really appreciate what you did. And you give them prize number three. Okay, and they're going to love you. So that's a cool way to gamify the the referrals and use it to stay in front of people, you know, help them really grow your business. Yeah, I've heard tons of different referral programs, and that is the first time that I have ever heard of something of this level and this magnitude and gamifying it when you know what to tend to win uh, sort of a thing. I actually love that. And Evan, we're going to be talking about this in, for our 2021 uh, planning session coming up on Friday uh, where we're, we're doing a deep dive in our business and that's going to be on our agenda. It, guys, it's really powerful. I mean, I learned it. I didn't come up with this myself, right? I learned this. Yeah. All right. But here's the deal. Think about, about the staying in touch with your clients. Right. It connects you with these customers, you know, and, and you may be done. Maybe they're not working with you anymore. Right. They, they finished. You had a contract, a three month, six month. Everything was great. You delivered everything you said. They, whatever reason, they don't work for you anymore. Right. Work with you. So what? They loved you. They did it. Keep this. Now they're going to need you again. You know, they're going to realize the error of their ways by leaving your company. You know what I'm saying? They're going to, they're going to want to come back because, you know, no one else was as good as you, et cetera, et cetera. But now you've, you've kept that communication door open with them. Right. And you're still reminding them how great you are that they thought yeah. you were. Right. So it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's a win win. Right. It's a win win. Yeah. So good. Uh, yeah. I mean, you had the humbleness to say that, you know, I learned that from somebody else. The thing about being in business is guess what? There's already somebody somewhere that has, you know, that has went through what you already have or are about to go through. So get a coach, get a mentor, learn these things instead of trying to go through it on your own. I mean, if somebody's to look for a mentor, a coach, you know, in business and think HVAC businesses, you know, that's that's our, our primary niche that we serve. What would be the things that they should look for in a mentor or a coach? Well, first thing you want to be sure that that coach has been there, right? He's done the work. He's had a business. It doesn't have to be even current, but again, it's that teacher philosophy. I never ran a business, but I teach about business. 
Right. It's difficult. Okay. And there's a lot of guys who do it that way, you know, because they read some books and they're knowledge brokers and they think they can know, but they've never had the hands on. So you want to look at that. And niches, you know, as they say, the riches are in the niches, right? Your contractor guy, I, I'm the contractor's new way to scale, regain control, and fast track growth. Okay. So guess who I'm serving? Right. I can help any business, but I'm not chasing every business because my specialty is what I've done. So I have 30 years. You want time in the game. That's one thing. Now, different, what's the difference between a mentor and a coach? Mm. What do you guys know? This is a trick question. Mentor is someone that's done it before. A coach is someone that can guide you through it and get the knowledge out of you that you already know. Right. Uh, or another way to look at it is I often, I put it this way because I always kind of attach money to stuff. You know, a mentor, basically, you a mentor is giving. Yeah. A coach, you're paying. Okay, so there's going to be different expectations, you know, so I always words have meaning. So when I say I mentor someone, I mentor a kid down the street, right? I'm helping him. I'm just a mentor. I'm just a guy. I'm a dad. I'm a guy who's helping him build some character. Maybe he wants to start a business. I help him a little bit. I'm not asking him for 600 a month to help him, right? He's 14. You know what I mean? So I'm mentoring this person, you know, I'm giving of myself. You know, so I can help others, you know, understand the entrepreneurial journey and, and get into the entrepreneurial journey because we need new business owners. You know, as a coach, people are in business. I have a larger interest in that for bringing results, right? I'm, now I'm dealing with an established person in business, mm -hmm. right? They understand the basics, right? And they understand the value of someone who's going to take them to another level, right? Mentoring, you're just, you really are trying to lift someone up. That's how I feel. You know, I had clients who were billionaires, Right now, I'll tell you what not to do. Don't be a prideful goof like me and think that their their opinion didn't matter. They had billions on multiple sports teams, had business billions, and I'm some goof building water features, but I know more than they do. Don't do that. Mm. That's really stupid. You sit down at the table and you just keep your mouth shut and listen and write it down and go put it in the play. Okay, just remember that. So people have been where you want to go. That's who you want. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they've been where you want to go. That's the key. I like the distinguishing factor between the mentor and the coach in terms of mentor giving, coach playing. Um, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think it's important just because you should be both. OK, I mean, if you're if you're coaching, if I'm, I'm a coach. OK, I've trained people in, in sports. I train them in fitness. I've trained them in business. I do all this right on gyms. I do all this stuff. So I get I'm a great trainer. I'm a great coach. You know, I can lead people that way. But I also, like I said, I'll, I'll mentor my kids. I'll mentor their friends if they have an interest and stuff, you know, because I see the importance of giving back. It's part of a really a charitable thing. If not willing to help people also without any strings attached, okay, it can't all be about the money. You got to pay me because I'm so great. You can't do that, right? <laughs> Again, you got to be able to distinguish between the two, you know, who really needs it. Now, I'm a big believer of when they pay, they pay attention. I'm a big believer of that. Okay, so don't get me wrong. But again, you got to pick the right people, you know, who are going to have the gratitude for being mentored and understand that there's limitations on mentoring, too. I'll ask you this, you know, because I've interviewed on the podcast a lot of different marketers. Okay, guys are in this. And I have found over my span of 30 years in business, advertising, dealing with, you know, from print. I get to go way back, right? Pre-internet and all that cool stuff. So print, got print a lot is of still around. Print is still around in like some markets. Yeah, I know. And they're, you know, yeah. but it's good. They, they all have their purpose. I'm just saying that I got to, I got to see the whole thing, the whole transformation, yeah. right? And where it's at. And I have a great 
appreciation for marketing, right? Now, I teach it. I teach basics and everything else, and I bring in experts for, for my academy, right? Because I'm not that expert, right? So let me ask you, how many people are like, Coming to you guys as marketing, and basically, and this is how I describe it, it's like when you go to the accountant with the big box of receipts and you put it on his desk and go, okay, man, let me know. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, can, can someone come to you like, and they, you know what's in their big box? All their video, all their content. It's just this giant pile of stuff they've created, but they don't know how to organize it. They don't know how to repurpose it. They don't know how to cut it up. They don't know how to promote their brand. Can someone come and do that to you and put all that info on the desk and you can go, oh, man, this is a dream. Okay, let's make this guy a superstar because you got all this stuff. Ever happened? Believe it or not, no. Uh, well, I shouldn't. Well, say I got no. this box uh, over here. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people that generally understand the content game. And because they've watched uh, and like they've likely heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V for short, uh, you know, talk content, 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 content. And actually, that reminds me, I know you mentioned like 0809. He was born, uh, his agency, out of that recession, uh, 2008, 2009. And he's done some great things with that. Um, so wow. there are some, uh, yeah, so he, I mean, he had some other things on the go beforehand, but his, his agency came out of that. Uh, and he's obviously crushed it as a result. There are a few people that come with oodles of content uh, that are there. And if, if people have oodles of content, it becomes a lot easier from an organic perspective to be able to pump that content out onto multiple platforms. There's many different ways to do that. I don't think I've had anybody saying, hey, here's years of content uh, come to us. So like one of our big things, you know, at least for, for some of our Facebook ads, is to make it look like user-generated content. What I mean is if somebody took a, a picture of a furnace or a picture of an air conditioner and they do like the, the four thing or whatever. So there's like a pictures, you know, around and even just a couple of pictures of it itself because people actually want to stop and they, they almost look at that, right? I've had some people that have had oodles of pictures that they've put out there in terms of like their social media presence, which makes it for an advertising point of view, a lot easier for us to do our job because now we can run 15 different images and six or seven different headlines and Facebook will do its thing to pull the algorithm to figure out which one is going to perform the best. And so if you're a business owner and you're hearing this, take photos of your shit. Seriously, every single install that you do, whether and, and even, even repair and service work, take photos of it. You don't have to post anything with it. Save them somewhere. So that way, if you're ready to light the switch and turn it on and say, all right, let's run with this. Now you've got all this content already created. You give it to your marketer and say, hey, here you go. Run with it. I think that's lacking for a lot of people. They, just don't, they don't document their day enough. And people get lost. And like, I know I'm guilty of this myself. I'm like, oh, I've got to create content today. And it just weighs you down. But if you document those things throughout your day, it becomes a lot easier to be able to handle that when you're ready to go live with it. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think anyone does. Now, I don't need, you know, 10,000 pictures of shingles on a roof. Okay, a few will do. <laughs> okay, but but there's other, oh, what about all the other aspects? The decking, the stripping of it, the cleanup, right? The meeting with the customer, you know, the if you think about just one job, how yeah. many pictures you can literally could take yeah. during one job of different stages of that job, the phone call coming in. Right. Yep. I mean, there's so many different stages of that that you could then give to someone who can write good copy and yep. attach it to those pictures. Holy cow. Yep. Oh, you know, it's, you're giving yeah. up so much ammo, man. You're going to look like the guy. 
Well, and like my my hamster started running in my brain when you said that. Is like, imagine if you have all these before, during, and after photos. I mean, doesn't people sometimes think that okay, I got to create this long video uh, and I've got to talk over the video? Well, no, you can do a a picture collage video. And people are like, oh, photo, oh, new photo, oh, new photo, oh, new photo, oh, new photo, and they come further down this ad. That's the thing is that you can actually then create, you know, either slideshow ads or you can create a, a picture collage video, you know, of that. And the more that you have, there's something called, and I'm going to go to the Facebook world because that's that's my specialty in our business is the Facebook side of things and running those ads. Ad fatigue. People think, okay, I'm going to run one ad. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to run it for a year. Yeah, that's fine if you're targeting all of North America. You might be able to get away with that. But if you're targeting just your city, what happens when people get tired of that ad? And now you have nothing else in the hopper to be able to create new new app with, right? And it's in and people are like, well, it'd be easy. I could do my own ad or just put out pictures. No, copy sells it. You gotta be a good copywriter in order yep. to be able to sell that, you know, behind it. So Yeah, it's the copywriting thing is I, I do a whole I have a whole section in the academy on that. And it's so it's misunderstood from a contractor standpoint, right? From a, usually a most most business, it's pretty misunderstood. You know, marketing is a, like I, I tell people. Man, marketing is. I'm not. I'm not your go-to marketing guy. Okay. I mean, I, I I have to farm that out. I have to. And it. And here's the tricky part: is finding the right guy, right? Finding the right guy. If you got a guy who's trying to be everything to all people, not going to work, right? They're not going to help you. You are going to dump a boatload of money for nothing because you think they're big hitters and they service in the hole. No, you get the guy who's HVAC. You know, um, there's other guys who do maybe, you know, the pavement guys, you know, well, I'm, I'm an asphalt guy. I focus on that, on that group. You know, if I'm a roofing contractor guy, I focus on those guys, you know, cause you understand the workings of it. Again, I'm in the business. Mm-hmm. So I understand it. I got, you know, again, I, uh, another guy with HVAC, same thing. He understands it intricately and he started a marketing company cause he knows the business so well and he sells so well, he can test all the marketing on his own business. And then he can give it to you. You know what I mean? So it's really cool. So it's yep. it's it's teaching people to know what to look for. That's kind of what I'm asking. Do I drop stuff on your desk? Can you do it? Maybe not. Does it matter? You know, but who are you? Who are you to be helping me as a marketer? Right? What What's your qualification to handle my industry? Because that's all people care about, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care about them. What are you going to do for me? You know, how come you're qualified to market for me and make me grow? Point is, it's just that. Can you answer that question? Yeah. Right. You're as a marketer, you have to be able to answer that question. You know, totally. just you can tell me why. Why are you for me? Just like someone asked me, why am I the coach for you? I might not be the coach for you. I may talk to you and go, yeah, you're this ain't yep. gonna work. You're not my guy. I know for us, we don't try to be the right fit for everyone. And it, it does work out nicely because Thad and I have different personalities where I can be more the nurturer and the, the female. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like I just, I, I love building relationships. Like that is something that, that fires me up and I love watching people grow and develop and, and expand. I love being more than just a marketer. Uh, the thing that's unique about both Thaddeus and I have, we, we've led sales teams of 30 plus people at a time. Um, and those sales teams have produced millions of dollars in revenue. And so it's more than just marketing when you're working with us. It's that full business approach. That's not how we sell. That's not what we're looking for. That's not the result we're looking for. We're looking for ways to add more value. Because at the end of the day, how do you become more valuable in a marketplace? Well, you add more value than anyone else could possibly expect of you. 
Yeah. And the other part too, and you know, I always say this on our on the calls when I get on with somebody. It's one of the the first things that come and I kind of outline how our call, the, the initial discovery call, you know, is going to go. It's like a first date. No, I'm going to tell you a little bit about us. You're going to tell me a little bit about you. You're going to ask me some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. And then at the end of the call, if you want to go on a second date, let's go on a second date. But if I decide that I don't want a second date, that's cool. And if you decide that that you don't want a second date, hey, that's cool too, right? But we're, we're going to do everything through an honest and transparent approach. Um, and that's what I think a lot of people are missing, uh, you know, especially in our industry, uh, because somebody's paid somebody money to build them a website. They took the money and they they pieced out, and all of a sudden there's no website. They paid all this money. Like I was in, I was in, uh, well, I was almost about to say what I got my dad uh, for a Christmas gift. Although he's not on Facebook, so he probably won't watch this. But I know my mother's watching. Um, I was in there, and the guy was telling me that he spent close to twelve thousand dollars for a website. And it was never finished and it never worked and it sucked. And he's just like, uh, I flushed that money down the toilet because they, they just didn't do a good job and they never really fully launched. It. And I was like, man, we got off our prices. And he's like, well, I'm like, well, I build websites. And like, he already has another guy that he's helping with, but you know, we, we do an honest and transparent approach. So we're going to be straight shooters. We're going to tell you what it is, when it is and, and how it needs to be in order to be able to have that. But at any time, if you want us to pop the hood and show you what's underneath, we'll pop the hood and show you what's underneath. Most business owners are going to be like, nah, you know, okay, cool. Well, that goes to here. And you, yeah, okay, at least you show me. I kind of understand how that works. But thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. But we have that ability to show the transparency underneath it. So, And that's a great approach. That's why I like you guys, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know from our other podcasts and everything else, too, just that aspect of bringing value. I mean, I use it all the time. I got an ebook called Build Value, Build Profit, right? Everything's about value. You know, and if your business isn't about that, if your business is just about earning money and getting to a certain number and not always delivering more than you're being paid for. I tell my kids that I don't care if you're sweeping the floor, sweep it, you know, get all the way in the corner, would you please? You know, just yep. show people you know how to be thorough, all right? Bring more than they expect. Yeah, they see the paper over here, but sweep the garbage in the corner too that they weren't really looking for, right? So Understand that the value that you bring is a direct reflection of who you are. Like you said, Evan, it's it's relationships. Okay, you're building a relationship with people. You know, I don't want to be with a superficial person who's just, again, they're looking just score. Can we just get this done? Knock this out? Can you make sure it's deposited? I get my money and I'm into that. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm more than willing to pay. I'll pay more for more value, right? If I value it more, guess what? It's worth more. Right? Mm-hmm. That's also how you get to charge more for what you do because you're bringing more value. People don't have any problem. They feel so overwhelmed with value and feel like you've just delivered above and beyond. The checks just keep flowing. Okay. They're not, there's no holding back. Okay. They're going to take care of it. And they're going to want more. Yep. Right. So it's just a great philosophy to have. It's such a, a true thing and a true statement for any business, really. And not, not just ours, but anybody's you provide more value than you bring. So Love it. Well, we are approaching over one hour of chatting. Oh, um, uh, my son's going mean, to kill me. I was supposed to take him to the gym, him and his buddy to work out. See, uh, see what you've done now? You've ruined uh, my well, family. Yeah. Ruined my family. <laughs> I thought you had a gym in your garage. Don't you do boxing <laughs> in there? We do, uh, yes. But he yeah. doesn't, he's he's a runner. And he wants to go to the Y, run on the indoor track and mm. do his stuff. And uh, uh, Yeah. Quick story, and we'll end this, okay? So we're on a team. We, we I homeschool all my kids, right? So I'm training. I'm a trainer, right? And I'm a I'm a very good trainer, so fitness stuff. So I'm training our homeschool cross-country team, 
right? There's like 80 kids and whatever. So I'm taking care of middle school. My son's there. He's running. He's about to go to high school. And anyways, I've got a different philosophy, right? You can imagine me, right? Training people. So in kids, it's really interesting. My Marine Corps guy comes out, but I'm getting a lot of results. We had this conflict with the head coach and blah, blah, blah. But she had this thing about talent. She was obsessed with talent. And she was putting kids in boxes. Well, see, he's not a non-competitive individual. He's this. He's not. They're not going to do this. And I'm like, you, you can't tell a kid that. Don't you ever put someone, don't you ever label a kid like that? Okay. I mean, they're 12 or they're 13. You know what this kid can become? You know what they thought I was at that age? Hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> like, so that was like this big thing. So we left the team, got him on a different team. And I said, so I came up with this, you know, we outwork your talent every day. Cause we train hard. Like the high school kids were like bummed out. The middle school were training harder than them. My workouts compared to it's like, how come they work out so hard? And you know what? I left. And this is the last part. We had the big Midwest championships. 28 of the 30 kids in middle school that I trained all PR'd. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my training was wrong. Okay. I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> whatever you say, you know? So that wow. thing was out. Oh, it's about work. That, that's my whole point. You know, and I got my cool equation on the, on the sleeve and so, yeah, we'll see equation. it's D plus a minus E times C equals results. Desire plus action minus excuses times competition equals results. Mm. Desire is good. You don't take action. It's just a dream that stays on the pillow. If you got excuses, as I posted today, they are the nails used to build the house of failure. Okay, so we don't do excuses. And you have to compete, whether you're competing with yourself, the, the guy down the street, his business, or, you know, the neighbor on the track, you know, your buddy on the track. That's what it is, and that's how you get results. So, no, yes, that I didn't get that from anyone. I came up with that myself. So I love it. It's a, it's a good equation to have on that. So that is a perfect end to the show It's to just – do work, you know, when you go to work and you show up and then you put in the effort, miraculous things will happen. I do really thank you, Richard, for taking the time out of your day to sit and chat with us. And uh, till next time, cheers. Thanks, fellas. Are you the first name people in your area think of when they think of HVAC service? It better be. And our friends at Butler Productions can help. You know those jingles from when you were a kid that just got stuck in your head all day long? Well, Butler Productions helps you put that same branding power to work for your business. They'll produce a custom jingle that will help you stand out from your competitors and stay top of mind for a lifetime. Call Butler Productions at 1-833-3-JINGLE or go to jinglesbybutler.com. That's J-I-N-G-L-E-S-B-Y-B-U-T-L-E-R.com and tell them Evan sent you, and you'll save 15% on your own custom jingle. So give them a shout today. Hey, thanks for watching another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. That URL one more time, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. Um, The other thing, if you took one nugget, one little golden nugget of information from this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, what we ask is you introduce this show to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all we ask. Introduce it to one person in your contacts list so they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time, cheers.